Robocalls continue to be a pain, and, and no, I don't need your help extending my car warranty, but there may be some hope on the horizon. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me to discuss the fight against robocalls, as well as what's going on with the rural broadband deployments, is our resident regulatory expert, Maggie Ridden. Welcome, Maggie. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the topic that everyone hates, or at least this, the thing that everyone hates, which is robocalls. What is the FCC doing about it? So the FCC yesterday adopted some rules that will um, really go after international robocallers. So um, basically what they're finding is, you know, a lot of the calls that people are getting are originating overseas. And it's really hard to trace back those calls and to try to, um, you know, for law enforcement to sort of get at those guys because the U.S. doesn't have jurisdiction overseas. But what the FCC is doing is they're going to make those um, companies that basically link the overseas call, you know, to the U.S. network. They're going to make them have to take some responsibility for um, any calls that are coming onto their network that shouldn't be. Okay, so just, this is an interesting point because most of the calls that we get uh, use a number that's local to us, so it's it's a bit misleading. So what you're saying is that the, these numbers are originating from outside countries. They just use these fake or these mass numbers to convince us they're local. Yeah, that's right. A lot of times these spammers will use, um, they'll do something called spoofing. So they'll make the number look like it's coming from somebody that you know, um, and it disguises the the number that they're really using. Um, the FCC did something a year ago. Uh, they've implemented or they've mandated the implementation of stir shaken. So that really prevents uh, some of these spammers from using fake numbers, but they can still buy legitimate numbers um, and use those. But this is really a way to um, to make sure that these carriers that are sitting kind of at that that border crossing for phone calls onto the U.S. network are going to be responsible for making sure that it's a legit number and then also making sure that um, <clears throat> that these are not calls that are coming from, um, you know, folks who are really trying to disguise the number to trick people. Yeah. Talk a little bit about those gateway companies, because like how much do they actually have the capability to go in and sort of like on a granular level, look at what numbers are legit or what, 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 where these numbers are coming from? Like, I'm just curious if, if the legal hook is going to be on them, like, are they able to turn around and actually crack down on some of these spam callers or robocallers? Well, really, what it does is, um, you know, there are ways to trace back calls. So this will make these particular providers, um, they'll have to respond to requests from the FCC or other law enforcement to do the trace back. Right. So they'll be required to do that and they have to do that pretty quickly. They're going to be required to also implement the stir shaken protocol because um, these are generally not very large providers. So when some of these um, things were put into place for some of the larger carriers like a year ago, these guys were kind of left out. But what the FCC and other law enforcement folks have found out is that when they go back and they do these tracebacks, they're seeing that there's a lot of stuff coming from overseas and they're linking up to these smaller providers who maybe, you know, is a little bit of a loophole. So this is an attempt to try to close that loophole. Okay, got it. And then 
I guess, how big a deal is this? Like, is this actually going to put a stop to these robocalls? Well, you know, it's interesting because I was talking to the CEO of Umail, which is a company that um, tracks robocalls. And he was saying to me, he's like, we can't really think of this as like, we're ever going to like 100% shut down robocalls, right? Like, that's probably not going to happen. But if you think about um, like spam email, for example, like the industry has gotten a lot better at slowing that down or filtering that out. Um, and that's probably what's going to happen with robocalls. So we'll probably see, you know, over time, there will be a decrease probably in the number of calls, annoying calls that you're getting. Um, but this is still a pretty lucrative uh, business for the bad guys. So they'll find other ways to get to people and they'll probably make their scams a bit more targeted, which is actually really more nefarious and dangerous because with the high volumes of calls, that makes it easier for companies like Umail and some of the, the folks who are doing the traceback to see that there's something strange going on, right? Like if you're seeing a flood of calls, they can sort of follow those calls. But if the number and the volume is much less, but they're more targeted, uh, they might be harder to detect and they might really um, be more dangerous because they'll really trick people into maybe giving away personal information or even giving them money. Got it. So less annoying, but potentially more dangerous. So basically, there's no 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 good solution here. Um, just for a frame of reference, uh, and I know we've talked about this before, but how big of a problem are robocalls? Like, what, what what's the volume we're talking about right now? Um, you know, it's it's a pretty big problem, and and it's what's interesting too is that even though over time it seems like the volume of calls are going down, there um, there are spikes in in calls going up. And so it it feels like, I think, to consumers that they're getting more of these phone calls, and maybe some people are. But over time, if you look at like the peak in, in 2019, we're down, you know, about 10% or more than it was at that time. So, you know, it will be interesting to see sort of the fluctuation of this, but it is a because it is so cheap and so easy for bad guys to use the technology to auto dial folks and and you know launch scams this way it really is hard to crack down because they just come up with a different way to get to people okay well the SEC which met yesterday and voted on this robocall initiative also talked about broadband access uh, what what did the SEC uh, decide to vote on yesterday so yesterday, they really voted on a proposal to look at um, changing some aspects of what's called the, you know, the high cost fund um, in the universal service fund. So that is basically a fund that the FCC gives out to carriers in mostly rural areas that are very expensive to deliver service to. And so they um, talked about maybe they should up the speeds uh, for what they're requiring the deployment. So the FCC has defined that broadband is 25 megabits down, three megabits uh, upstream. And it's been like that, you know, for gosh, like 
eight years or more. Um, and maybe even a decade. I'm losing time here because I mean it's so long. <laughs> that that yeah, by by normal standards, that sounds actually Yeah, it does, slow. right? Like it sounded fast maybe when they adopted it, but it's really not anymore. And so, you know, what they're seeing is they they want um rural folks to have access to hundred meg. And what this is really doing is it's kind of putting um, the FCC programs on par with what the Commerce Department is doing through the uh, the Jobs Act. They're doling out a whole pile of money to build broadband infrastructure that they're, th- these are grants to states, and then the states will allocate money to local areas and carriers to deploy broadband. And, and they just put out their rules last week, and they were saying that, you know, they're putting, uh, you know, a stake in the ground that, you know, 100 meg is the ideal, and that's what we want um, everybody to be building toward. Got it. Uh, tell me about the the state of the SEC right now, because it's it's still down one commissioner, right? Yes. Um, and that is a real, you know, a problem because they have two Democrats and two Republicans. And so they're really not. I mean, you got to give, you know, kudos to uh, Jessica Rosenworcel, the chair, because she's, you know, she's trying to get some things done. But it's hard when you're in a, a divided commission where she doesn't have a clear majority. So every vote that she uh, brings up for the commission, it has to be something that's, you know, everybody pretty much agrees upon. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that doesn't include things like net neutrality. And so you have a lot of progressives and, and Democrats who are very upset with the Biden administration because they're saying this is really just stalling any of those efforts and any of that reform. And, um, you know, and we're not really seeing any any movement here. And there's just been this campaign against the nominee, Gigi Sohn, who um, many of our listeners who follow telecom policy like I do, uh, you know, have probably heard of her because she has been a champion and an advocate for uh, broadband and and consumers for a very long time in her career and used to work for uh, former FCC chair Tom Wheeler. And she was really one of the main architects of the net neutrality um, rules that came out in 2015. And so but she's having a really hard time. Republicans have really launched this campaign against her. And, you know, really a lot of the broadband companies sort of in the background are are, are pushing against her um, nomination, although publicly they'll say, oh, yeah, we're fine with Gigi. But then you kind of look behind the covers and they're um, they're not really supporting her. And that is. uh Yeah. So she's just sort of stuck in this limbo of not being able to get confirmed. Right. And as a result, basically the entire FCC is in limbo when it comes to anything major or potentially contentious, right? Yeah. Anything that could be controversial at all is just sort of tabled right now. And because they just, they don't, she, you know, Jessica Rosenworcel doesn't have the votes. Well, Maggie, thanks for this rundown. Really appreciate it. You can check out her FCC stories on CNET.com. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger W. Chang. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.